Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Warford today, because like, I'm, I'm heartbroken. Welcome to GR on a Wednesday. Um, this week, Conan and Connor are here in studio with me. And geez, lads, I just can't help thinking. Just as we start the podcast, what are the Guidor lads doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> are they gone on I think it we again? All know. <laughs> are they gone on it again on the Wednesday, or is it just the three days they've done? Or how are they? Are they alive? What's going? The the traveller call out video was a classic with Neil McGee and Kevin Cassidy. Right, like, it was I mean, absolutely terrifying, is what it was. <laughs> I do not think there are two footballers in the country that would take those two men on. No, like in Cassidy in the vest, in the the, vest. and Neil McGee frothing at the mouth. He bastard! He started stitching the camera. Like, you know of his head like, yeah. Jesus so anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about just go on to Kevin Cassidy's Twitter account and you'll see all this so uh-huh. they've absolutely been going mad the one thing I thought that really kind of stuck with me right so you win a county final I've won a Leinster club I don't know like I would have thought we always used to have the crack the day after but at some point of the day the video of the match the previous day will come on and you'd watch it and there'd be a bit of crack around it and then you'd yeah. have a bit of crack later on I said to Niall Friel like I mean the, the music is do, do, do in the this is, <laughs> yeah. a, this is at 12 yeah, o'clock yeah. on the Monday morning and I says to Niall will you watch the video at some stage will we no, we will not we're down <laughs> we, he says we will not we're down in Mickey's will you <laughs> as if watching this video is the most stupid thing he's ever what kind of a suggestion is that <laughs> yeah well the music quickly changed in Mickey Jew Heart yesterday I saw in that oh, that's college right, video yeah, that's yeah, the soundtrack yeah. to that's the, the first time I've heard that in years yeah alright oh, no I didn't I didn't know the Mickey Joe Heart one Anyways, yeah. but listen, we'll move on here. But any, just actually on that game, I definitely have to um, uh, apologise to Noel Mooney because I got this completely wrong on Monday about the yellow cards with Kieran Hughes. So yellow cards don't carry on 
from normal time into extra time I was under like this in my days I thought they did and I double checked it with another GA journalist now I should have done more of a double check so he got it wrong he very rarely gets it wrong so I just took his word on it rather than check it myself so I got made a balls of that so Noel Mooney is getting performance of the weekend from last <laughs> Monday there's going to be two performances of the weekend Noel Mooney because he's an outstanding game and I was oh, saying the only yeah. blot on this was getting the Kieran Hughes thing <laughs> yeah. wrong and he didn't get it wrong Other um, McNeilis couldn't believe it when you said that to him yeah <laughs> but no, what I'm really annoyed about is people listening to the podcast Monday taking away this as if this is gospel that he got it wrong telling their friends and this spreading around it. This, yeah, poor re- yeah. this poor referee got this wrong when he absolutely didn't. <laughs> what I'm, we I'm say the, is I'm, not gospel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the gobshite that got it wrong. So thankfully that doesn't happen all that often. Um, so that's it. Peter Kelly is coming up on the show, lads. And definitely have to ask Peter Kelly about uh, Didier Cardonia. So you remember Didier yeah. Cardonia? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also we had a good laugh about this a while ago. James Bond, who played with Two, <laughs> two Mile House um, a few years ago. So I'm looking forward to asking Peter. He's going to clear this up <laughs> once and for all. I, uh, I wasn't in on that podcast I remember listening and I just have to add that a mate of mine who I used to play school football with called himself Homer Simpson to the ref got himself a second yellow and got sent off so. <laughs> see it's because of that pup is why there's good men actually getting sent off I know well, this was a joke and when you're younger you'll give the referee maybe a false name and it's hilarious but this is obviously referees are on their guard for these little pups I want to talk to Bosco school Ramsbottom <laughs> we'll get him onto the show um, I want to ta- start off here lads by talking about concussions because there's a fella Connor Shanaher. Um, this is a very promising underage player in Roscommon. So he's played with Roscommon. Um, he plays with Kilbride as his club. And he's had to retire at 20. He's had six concussions, um, lads, in five years. So the first one was in rugby. And the, <coughs> next f- and the next five were in GEA. So each one were triggering piercing headaches, forgetfulness and abnormal sleep patterns. Like, I mean... That's horrific, you know, and like we hear a lot about concussion in rugby and it was interesting his first one was in rugby, but that's neither here nor there. I didn't think GEA was really a high risk sport for concussions, you know, like I mean there's not really those head high tackles as much. But then again there could be lots of concussions in GEA that are completely going undiagnosed because you just kind of mm-hmm. play on. In my day I got knocked out once in an under twenty one match and I completely sparked out. When I hit the ground in my head there was no protection and somebody ran in a okay and they'll put up a finger or two I can't remember did I get them right or wrong but I was played on and there was no pressure on me to come off and I actually put my hand up and came asked to come off myself because I felt completely all over the place I couldn't track where my man was he kept <laughs> vanishing on me <laughs> but like I mean it's not that was before the concussion <laughs> <laughs> great movement now this fella had right so like I mean this is the thing so he's saying that the GEA needs to educate managers, coaches and selectors um, more on the issue because he feels it's not taken seriously enough, seriously enough in the game, highlighting the greater urgency his rugby club showed when he suffered a head knock when playing a match at age 15. Now, obviously, rugby is way higher risk, so they have maybe better procedures in place. But I do take his point in that what GEA manager, unless there's a doctor in the backroom team, really is going to understand that in a run-of-the-mill in the run-of-the-mill club game. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. The GEA does have a concussion management guide and it's it says, if in doubt, sit them out policy. And that insists that players should be taken off immediately if he, she shows any signs of a concussion. 
like how does a regular under 60 manager know what the signs of a concussion even are maybe they're being educated but the player will always look to you see so much of this is dependent on the player as well because some players will likely try and circumvent it if they even if they've had a knock but think they're kind of okay to play on there are tests there those cognitive tests but they're you can pass them you might be showing the symptoms but you can pass them as you said showing your fingers what time where are we what the score is what time it is etc so like you mentioned rugby there like even rugby in the last few years it, it's getting it's getting better at it all the time but they've had a lot of problems with kind of implementing concussion protocols it's really really tricky yeah, it is so tricky. even that sport with years of kind of experience from concussion has had has had its difficulties in trying to implement it so that's it it's like I like I personally think the culture in, in GA towards concu- concussion from what I've seen is, is pretty good in terms of that there's as soon as uh, we, what you say there when in doubt set it out as soon as there's any doubt about anyone now and I would have thought that earlier on when I was playing that uh, that wasn't the case whereas now if there's any doubt and players know that too so you've noticed the difference I think so but that, that that's just my own personal experience yeah. I don't know about G what about you Conan have you noticed a, a kind of change in attitude towards he- bangs to the head yeah but I do I think what Conor's saying is right about it's the players sort of thing like it's hard like I got a concussion this year and you feel like a bit of a fraud, to be honest, because even though you know you're forgetting stuff and you feel sick and your heads are we're spinning, like, but because you're not limping and people can't see and yeah. obvious signs of injury, you're sort of you're down watching training and boys are asking what's wrong with you and you feel a little bit like, oh no, I'll just do something here, like you know, yeah. and you're back before you probably should be back. And luckily enough for me, I see Ryan McHugh talking about getting the second one. I didn't have any problems the second time, but you probably came back a bit too soon because just because of that and there's no pressure coming from anybody but it comes from yourself where you don't want to miss a game and yeah. there's, there was a story in rugby a while back like their protocol is they got this assessment you know if you get a concussion they ask you these questions but apparently some of the guys were like deliberately getting answers wrong before like they would do a yeah, test yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so they do shit on the test at the start of the year yeah, so to cover themselves it's not as obvious then if they're doing shit when they have concussion and that's because they want to play as well so it almost should be taken out of the but players I, hands yeah, this is the thing I don't get it you're not going to play well you might want to play but you're not going to play well if your head's all over the place yeah. so why do you want to play on like I mean I just don't get that that kind of attitude if your head you see Brian O'Driscoll Keen Healy and these fellas with bad concussions like they're clearly wobbling so even if you want to play, you, you hardly want to play yeah. when you're at 50% capacity of being able to play. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, but I do take the point, and Ryan McHugh said that. So he had two concussions this year. He said, I had one at the start of the league this year and took about eight weeks off. I had a slight bleed on my brain. Jeez. Like, geez, that's some serious yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He said, it's a strange injury because looking at someone, you don't think there's anything wrong with them. It was tough. At the time, you have slight headaches and you don't know if there's something wrong with yourself. After a week and a half, you start coming around to yourself. But the fear is you pick up another one um, and you can pick up serious injuries. So that's the thing, and I do take your point about being a fraud. And there's a, there's often that uh, culture in a team, and it's probably made worse by fellas who constantly have injuries that are saying yeah. they're injured mm. and they're not, and you you don't want to be one of them. Exactly. Yeah. So there's been a lot of injuries down through the years, who, which I would have even hidden. I yeah. wouldn't have even said I have that niggle, and I'd be like, "Geez, I can't be up on the table again." Yeah, yeah. You just don't. I never wanted to have that reputation of being a little bit soft with injuries. You want to get out, and then when you have an injury, you're taken seriously, and you know yeah. you're respected for it. Or I'd play through injuries yeah. just. You know, just not to be that lad. Yeah, I don't understand the mentality of the fellas who have no shame and are always something <laughs> wrong with them. But the the, the head injury, where there's no outward yeah. signs of an injury, and you're saying, "Look, I can't train." <laughs> 
you yeah. need a strong doctor there and if there isn't a doctor there then it's just your you know it's yeah. just your word and your teammates are saying will you come on yeah that's, that's, that's so really it's interesting easy. with Conor Jenner as well that one of his last concussions he gave himself two weeks or three, three weeks off I think was how long he'd been giving himself off and thought he was okay because while he'd been knocked out in one of his last games he wasn't showing the symptoms afterwards then he went back to training and he got these really acute headaches and he just wasn't right at all this was after thinking he was fine so it just goes to show you that even even an individual themselves might not necessarily be aware of the symptoms yeah. until they manifest themselves weeks after never mind you know a day or two after so just and, and just to go just to mention about Conor Shanner about how kind of philosophical he was about this and how uh, I'm sure it was an absolutely devastating blow to have to retire at 20 but he's been really really good about it and taking a different approach to like he could be he could be forgiven for being down in the dumps for ages but he's coming out with a really positive attitude and trying to influence how the GA should deal with it in the future which I think he deserves big credit for he does well. yeah we'll try and get him onto the show He's a, it's actually it's hard to know what the poor fella can do now because soccer's obviously out heading the ball rugby's out so at those big kind of team sports in Ireland he's gone like you know he'll mm. probably have to athletics do swimming or athletics yeah. or triathlons or something like that I'm sure he'll find something that'll um, you know keep his fitness up and the enjoyment up there's another interesting one here in Wicklow lads because John Evans is going to be out without at least four members of his 2018 uh, panel or team. Um, the Auburn Cup obviously starts uh, next or this weekend. <coughs> so Kieran Highland and John McGrath have both retired. They're two big losses, and James Stafford and Shawnee Furlong, arguably four of their best players of the last. 30 years are all going at the same time now Furlong and Stafford he's given them a little bit more time to see are they going to commit or not they haven't exactly um, retired yet but interestingly um, Evans has uh, has welcomed the arrival of two players from Dublin clubs Oshin Mangan and Dave Devereaux he is his brother played with the Dublin seniors it's Nicky Devereaux Nicky, yeah. Nicky Devereaux yeah. he lined out for the dubs in last season's O'Byrne Cup so both of them play with Dublin in the O'Byrne Cup they've teamed up with his training squad so this is the granny rule now this is always this kind of argument about Dublin and people think you want to split Dublin in two and you want to weaken them and all stuff like this I think if you split Dublin in two in ten years time Dublin North and South will be the two best teams in the country because it's just maths <laughs> It's yeah, just maths yeah. and it's tradition. Dublin have the tradition, have the maths, have the structures. But it would be Kerry, uh, Dublin, Dublin. That, that's just <laughs> yeah. on the evidence of since the GAF started, that's what it's going to be. And Mayo might pop in for <laughs> five or six years and they'll pop back yeah. out and you might get one or two and that's it. So it's not always to weaken Dublin because long term Dublin will not be weakened. It's to give more Dublin players a chance because look at these fellas in the Burn Cup squad. These lads will be these lads will probably both make the Wicklow team. The whole of Burn Cup squad. How many Dublin players won't get the chance to play inter county football? And I think loads of counties around Leinster are. I think Leash, Loud, Wicklow. All these teams should be looking at granny rules. Should be looking at any connection to have to these fellas and get them down. What's the big deal? Because Leinster football, the other counties need to catch up. And what's wrong with taking some of these players and getting them onto the squad? I'm all for it. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good idea. And even when you look at the underdogs and the Dublin, it's a load of Dublin club players that were playing. Who yeah, your man, the scariest fella. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Smith, and like just ripped in the shreds. Like you know, and that's the best of the rest of the country against the best club players in Dublin. Basically, yeah. a couple of experienced players thrown in there, but shows how good they are and how how deep it goes as well. Like, yeah. And, like I'd say a lot of them like Devereux probably really looking forward to getting a shot at county mm. football the ah, same yeah, of course he was. last year going to Donegal like that's a big deal like if you're not going to play for Dublin 
why not look at it I don't think anybody would and at least there's some form of connection to the county that you're joining as well whether it's granny or well there has to be right or else you have to move there yeah then it's it's nearly like a shop window which wouldn't you know that would create all sorts of problems but I I agree with that when you even mentioned like outside of the I'd say there's players that are outside the Dublin 26 that we've been making maybe not Kerry Mayo or Tyrone but like really high quality teams like the the, the level the the level that they're at is just just ridiculous and and that's it that's that's part of the argument I don't think that's kind of put forward enough I know Colin Morocco would regularly put forward when he puts you know mentions Yeah, Dublin but too. he's called a bitter mead bollocks uh, yeah, and all this. That, when he's not, I don't believe so he many, is. So many players there have been declined the opportunity to play intercounty football that are as good and better than the vast majority of intercounty players out there. Yeah, because you see even Kilmacook Crokes and you look through their team, you have your man Mullen and Pearson, and you know you have McGowan at the back. All these lads are good players really good players they're not even with an ass's roar of the Dublin yeah. squad they've played under 21 yeah, and then that's, that's it for them because yeah. you have to be the cream of the crop to be getting near that bloody panel McGowan yeah. is on the squad isn't he but see, he was on a burn cup squad last he's he? on the actual squad is he maybe he is he is on the squad but like he hasn't got any game time no. you know, maybe he will this year but you're right like he's, he's a long way out at the minute like. yeah no it's an interesting one so Antrim um, have added um, Anthony Daly to their backroom team so He's going to be, uh, he's going to be like a advisory uh, in an advisory capacity. So Neil Pedden is going to take charge of the team. Uh, this is after Terence Sambo McNaughton um, stepped down. So they have this Neil Pedden fella in, and they have Anthony Daly. So I know uh, Liam Sheedy worked as an advisory capacity to them last for for two years, yeah. and then we had Neil McManus on the show. And I'm pretty sure it was Neil McMahon is telling us, yeah, well, we didn't see Liam all that often, to be honest. He came up once or twice. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, these advisory capacities, you wonder what yeah. it's all about. It's just to lend, it's to lend a legend's name to the setup. And maybe it'll inspire the players a little bit if he shows up four or five times. You wonder how yeah. much of a commitment it is. Because Daly doesn't like sitting around. He doesn't like no. sitting idle anyway. No. So he's taken over Clare, Dublin. He's been with the Limerick Miners. He's been with Kilmacook Crokes. He's with Antrim now. He does punditry work with Air Sport. He does work with RT, TV and radio. So he's flat out. Like, yeah. I mean, hurling is just what he does and that's it. So, like, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they how they get on with him on board. I'm not sure you have much to say about this hurling uh, fishing. <laughs> like, when you talk about tradition, like, you know, Antrim, the north of Antrim, the, up there in the coast there, Cushendall, and, you know, all these Ballycastle and places like that. Like, it's mad for hurling up there. It really yeah. is. If you go up, you will think that it's a sort of its own little county up there. Like, so yeah. I'd be excited if I was Anthony anyway coming in there. Like, cause well, that's the Glen, right? So that's yeah. the big GEA hub um, in Antrim. And there's huge investment being put into the Glen um, in and around the schools and all that. And that's what Daly got involved with in Limerick as well because there was huge investment and huge um, resources put into underage in Limerick. And Daly took over the miners and he helped out maybe that progression. Yeah. So maybe this is all linked to that, you know what mm. I mean? Get Daly in there as a director of hurling. That's what I'd be doing with Anthony Daly yeah. rather than an advisory capacity to a manager. Get him in there. Have him oversee this as the legend that he is and incredibly lovable all over the country and have him lead this uh yep you know this strategy in the schools and with the under 16s and the minors should it hang on in his every word yeah exactly wouldn't it be worth it um, get him in there now whether he wants to do it or not (laughs) but if he had a similar job in Limerick sure Antrim's not far anymore you know what I mean it's not like that M1 you're up and down Um, no problem maybe not in rush hour um, if you're coming from the (laughs) south side of Dublin but uh, yeah it'd also be interesting to see I'd give him I'd give him an extra an extra job on that Um, so the 15 journalists lads so 14 journalists 14 players went out to 
Philadelphia um, for the All-Stars trip and it's not really an All-Stars trip like ma- years ago like we've already mentioned so they're getting through a few interviews anyways and I just I just don't get this right so there's only 14 fellas and there's 15 journalists and we joked about geez, they'll actually be able to do they'll be able to shadow one lad while they're coaching <laughs> yeah. and really have a one-on-one with him and traditionally the all-star trip I know this from players and journalists who've told me like you can meet you'll meet each other at the bar and you might say here I might meet you tomorrow and we'll have a sit down and Mm. that's accommodated and it's really relaxed and they get to know each other a lot better and it's just a lovely environment and I'm just seeing all the quotes now from David Clifford from Conor Callaghan from Ryan McHugh and they're across all the papers the same quotes so they can't even get their Mm one-on-one away in Philadelphia in a relaxed environment this is a round fecking table sit down isn't that depressing you know how long do they have the three days the day as opposed to the all-star trip might normally be two weeks uh, I know I'm clutching the uh, straws wouldn't have here been two, it wouldn't have never been two weeks okay. have, uh, I'm, not, I'm not too sure actually but they have about four, they have four, ni- four or five days and four nights or something like that they have enough to be arranged yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the point that it's become so sanitised now that not even on an all-star trip can you get can maybe you they're keeping the big ones until Christmas or the new year it doesn't something. get much bigger than David Clifford <laughs> yeah. Yeah, David yeah. Clifford I tried to get David Clifford on the podcast and he respectfully said well, well, that's not. Well, yeah, that's not. Uh, I'm not into that kind of thing. I don't. I'm not interested in interviews or anything like that. So I was. There was a part of me going, right? Geez, that's disappointing. Then there's another part of me going, Keir Macdonald here yeah. in the making. Where <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. just going to be wondering what he thinks about yeah. things. But you have him over there, and you could have a lovely sit down exclusive. But no, instead you have to share it with everybody else that's over there, and someone else might not have. I don't know. I yeah. just. I think that's a little bit sad. Um, yeah. That that's it. But anyway, Clifford. Uh, Clifford has been talking about uh, not going so well in the league and Eamon Fitzmaurice sticking with him which I thought was pretty honest from him I didn't think he was going too bad I thought he went alright in the league yeah early early on in the league but maybe this is from his own standards he says um, I started the first championship game and then it was a massive lift for me he said it it relieved a small bit of the pressure the fact that I was in the team he he was talking about uh, Eamon Fitzmaurice being unbelievable so nice of him to admit that things weren't going well he's humble enough and not giving the old stock answers um, then he talks about the Gooch he's talking about who his heroes were or whatever and the Gooch clearly like I mean if you're a number 13 in Kerry and you're not kind of thinking the Gooch was a legend um, it would be a bit of a weird one but interestingly said a uh, player that he would really have admired and looked up to is Jamie Clark from well, we don't have to say from Armagh um, he was just very classy he would have remembered certain things he would have done in the field and then used to go try and do them he had so much stylishness in his play that I always admired it isn't that nice yeah, that he's yeah, really and nice. you can see what, I can see exactly what he's talking about yeah. really with Jamie Clark I think I can see it in his game especially his, too, yeah. his, his one-on-one finishing Yeah, I think is like what Gooch Jamie Clark and Clifford have all in common is that they're so cool under pressure when it's a one-on-one and I never and this is what Gooch would have said to Donny all, all, all those years ago as well is that like he, I, I don't see David Clifford blasting a goal chance. I wouldn't yeah. have seen Jamie Clark blasting a goal yeah. chance. He dummy Clifford the blasts a few, yeah. The only one, well, the one I was trying to think back of was the Monaghan one, but I thought that was he had to blast that because ah, the yeah. narrow was so angry. Well, if the, you actually, so if, if you actually, uh, Morris, what's the fella's name that does all the clips on Facebook? He's from Kilkenny. Oh, I know the guy. Morris Photography. Yeah. I don't think his surname is there, but he has a David Clifford one. So if you go back to his okay. minors, oh, there's all sorts of finishes from this fella. <laughs> all right. Oh yeah, yeah, it's not. They're not all subtle finishes. There's a few if from his carry recently. If that he's angry. Recent. He'll lash it past <laughs> yeah. that goalie. Like yeah. I mean, he, he has everything. I was thinking a little subtle comparison to Jamie Clark and the Gooch was that it's not just their finishing. 
that either can break to the wing and give a lovely cross field ball it's the passing yeah. and you see what Clifford can come deep and give an over the top ball straight into somebody's hands without breaking stride and Clark can do that and go, you know what I mean yeah. Yeah. not all high scoring forwards really ha- have that in their locker and you know what sets those boys apart is that they don't make their decision do you know like the sort of average players they know what they're going to do before they get the ball they want to turn on their left or they want to shoot or they want to pop it off but these boys are just constantly scanning every little image on the pitch and they'll take whatever avenue is open in that split second like do you know remember that Clark goal he got against Tipperary where he was oh, about yeah. to finish it yeah. and he had to stop it dead in the ground and like sort of a Paddy McCoach yeah. yeah. and he just like, he is just constantly updating the images in his head and making his decision like in tiny little seconds whereas yeah. I would like you know decide ten seconds beforehand what yeah. I'm going to try and do. Yeah, do no, know? I'd be the same. I've often like I mean, without going too much onto this, like I mean, when you're in the forwards and you've got uh, the ball's been thrown across to you, before the ball's thrown across to me, I might say I might dummy solo this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that might, when yeah. I actually catch that, you're confusing that, yourself. That yeah. dummy solo might not even yeah. be on. <laughs> like, Did you so, fall over? So immediately I'm rattled and yeah. I'm like, all right, shit, I might have to go around. But this is the natural instinct of. I honestly think that these fellas might have taught that under 10, under 12. And I talked to Daniel Flynn earlier on this year about this when he was being very honest about missing the, the chance against Cluxton that time. I think Clifford and Gooch and Jamie Clark have been through this process so many times at underage level. It's been thrown across to them and there they are one-on-one and they've made those mistakes yeah. and yeah. they've thought about it. Mm. And suddenly it just becomes a sixth sense, like any kind of skill. You know, the more you do it, the more you'll do And suddenly now they just know. They don't have to think. They'll say, let's wait to see what the goalie's doing before. Yeah. Yeah, you know yeah, and they yeah. just know they might have five different things in their locker that they do in a certain situation yeah. and I suppose that's the difference between those players and the likes of me <laughs> basically um, so Conor Callaghan he was interviewed as well so in true Con, uh, King Con style uh, Jim Gavin style media training style Con's given absolutely nothing away so he was asked a similar thing about his year because Con was struggling for a lot of this year um, he came a bit better in the fi- semi-final and the final but throughout the year he was struggling badly like I don't like I would have thought maybe sit, he sat out the Roscommon game which he admitted uh, might have helped but he was struggling badly but he wouldn't he wouldn't admit that he says I wouldn't say difficult really so he was asked if he's having a difficult year I wouldn't say difficult year year really it was a hugely enjoyable year both personally and as part of the team see not even saying yeah I'd l- you'd love to hear from him saying geez yeah I was really under pressure there don't know if I was tired but things weren't working for me and yeah. then I had a chat with Jim and Jason Sherlock helped yeah, me a yeah. lot there's zero of that do you know like I mean there's just zero of that that's just the way it is with them he says uh, in 2017 I had a really good year I took a lot of chances some things came off but they don't always come off but I really enjoyed the year I was happy with it overall um, that's what you want to peak at the end of the season but I still really enjoyed the Leinster campaign I think the Super 8s were really enjoyable as well like everything is enjoyable yeah, and everything yeah. was great so then like I mean it just gets peak kind of like uh, uh, immediately I don't want to be saying I'm anything against Khan because Khan is such a great player and he's only a young fellow as well and he's only following kind yeah, of yeah. you know the example that's been get, given to him so then he's asked about the five in a row and his answer is our focus is on the league 
<laughs> that's very good which we always take seriously and then the championship like I think we should actually do like some sensations headline Callaghan rubbish is a burnt yeah. cup <laughs> <laughs> just really piss off the media manager right just have it across every yeah. newspaper yeah. Dublin rubbish third most important competition yeah. he's on bigger things yeah. <laughs> uh, so he said it's going to be how many times we won or whatever he's saying here you, it's just like uh, so that's what you're trying to do everyone will be trying to stop you and that's the reality of it we just keep within ourselves and stay off social media um, everybody knows that we focus on the process and if you start thinking about these glory titles five in a row you're probably not in the, in the right headspace to be playing matches Jesus. See the, every box is ticked really <laughs> that interview I think is a problem with the round tables as well and you said not getting one on ones when there's like you know 15 journalists around all asking a question and yeah he's a young lad as well they're not great answers in fairness but that could be just be a random question thrown in before somebody else who's trying to get a different story oh I agree I don't know? think I don't think those round tables make the, the players come across well they're, yeah. ba- they're, they're literally sound bites because if Con says that at a hugely enjoyable year the natural follow up would be but you know it wasn't really going too well for you but if it's a round table someone else might send it off yeah. in a different direction yeah, yeah, then yeah, so yeah, like yeah. I mean I don't want to be, you wouldn't be critical of Con. those round tables are sick yeah. you know I did one for off the ball before I, the scrums whatever okay. with uh, Conor McGregor I went to the the feckin where was he in the concert hall or up the convention centre mm. And Jesus Christ, this was the most aggressive thing I'd ever been at. So I got in a question <laughs> and another fellow was in straight away and I was like, you yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went back in at him then. And <laughs> <laughs> so I got in about four questions and Connor's answers and we tried to actually stitch them all together then and play yeah. them onto the show. And yeah. Oh, it was just cringy. It was yeah. terrible. But I went back to the lads and said, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> yeah. That's not an interview. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was just battling to get in a question like, and it was stupid. Yeah, you're yeah. trying to get a conversation with him and then someone else wants to know what I had for breakfast or like you're gone then yeah. you're gone that's it so like I mean yeah so me round tables I, I I I don't think I don't see what anybody gets out of them and then of course you go on the Irish Times website and it's the same thing you on the examiner you go on RT you go on the independent all the websites I'll visit and they all have an interview with this fella it's all the same yeah, yeah, now, they'll yeah. try to take different angles on the same quotes but it's the same feckin' stuff so it's a then their embargo and stuff you might have been at a round table at one o'clock in the day you have it ready for online they're like oh, you can't go with that till nine o'clock tomorrow morning you're like why <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? it's just the same anyways yeah. what's the big deal oh yeah the first few questions are for online anyways the GEA are to undertake a study this is in the examiner um, why so many Irish players struggle to return to the top flight Gaelic football after a spell in AFL so there's 58 signed for AFL clubs there's obviously an awful lot more than 58 go out and don't get signed but just 24 players of the 58 have actually played one or more premiership games so when you get signed you get signed and you play like the equivalent of intermediate and you might never make it back Mm. up to senior so it's understood the welfare of players returning home from Australia is one of the reasons for the research and I think that's a very if that welfare is the reason for the research I would say that's a very good thing because I remember Colin Begley when he came home from Australia he was at an awful loose end he hadn't planned on being dropped Mm. like his career went from a huge upward trajectory making the Brisbane Lions fastest ever player to make it to getting injured to the manager getting changed to the new manager not fancying him and getting delisted mm. all this happened really fast <coughs> then went to St Kilda and didn't work out there and suddenly now this fella after having all those dreams of being a professional mm. athlete he's landed home to Stradbally yeah 
Like he was rattled He ended up joining Parnells um, I was up there And like I would have got To know Beggs a lot better Because he, he would have been Younger than me But like I mean If that Parnells offer Hadn't come in To coach within there Have a job And then go back to college Like he didn't really know What to do with his life Do you know what I mean yeah. So like I mean For that reason That's something I think Maybe the GPA can Help out with To do enough for players yeah. In that regard That absolutely Returning players Now they have Obviously got different uh, you know help uh, different features and different kind of stuff that they can help players with with careers and stuff anyway so I suppose that would help them but they almost have to start their young lives yeah. all over again yeah. oh, that, that, sorry that's an interesting one as well about Colin Bagley landing back to Stradbally in particular because it's like small town Ireland can be quite begrudging when, when it wants to be and like oh this is the guy I went away and now you know he's back in a couple of years Tail between his legs yeah, yeah that's yeah. the thing like so um, and I imagine that's the case for like any amount of them and you know it's like it's nearly assumed that they're just oh well they're back from Australia they're playing a professional sport so they're going to be set up and they're going to meet, reach the county team immediately but that just it just doesn't happen yeah and they wouldn't have gone to college you see because you've yeah. been taken out at 18, 19 so you're not having gone to college so you're not even applied so you could be landing back you have to wait until the following January to apply for C if that's what you want to do mm, or else yeah. you know it's just your life's in a bit of a mess you're 20, 21 yeah. you're three years behind everybody else going to college and I think psychologically it must be a really difficult place to be in I would like other sports to take a leaf out of this book though because those stats actually for GA players going to the AFL are pretty decent compared to the other professional sports I mean most people don't make it in professional hmm. sport like you know and that there's no, not, often not really a yeah, they go out a lot of, to soccer they'll go out like when they're they 12 do, yeah. or whatever you but know? like Kevin Feely was one of them who went to Charlton at 16 years of age and yeah. I remember talking to a guy from Derry Michael Kennedy there were five Irish lads that went out 16 year olds went into the academy and he said four of them aren't even playing soccer anymore right. now one of them is Kevin Feely but the other three just aren't playing like, and yeah. we do all these stories and we get excited you know at 16 like oh these players are going over they're going to make it but like most of them like the vast vast majority of them don't get anywhere near it and we don't do a story when they're 18 and they're back home in Stradbally or whatever and they're yeah. just falling out of love with the game and yeah. no confidence no job no qualifications well, well, that's the thing because there's a there's a long list of players that have come back right and done well for themselves like uh, Paul Early Ty Canelli, Martin Clark have won All-Stars coming home but they've all done well out there as well so they're not coming home psychologically scarred necessarily you know mm. they're, they're coming back as success mm. stories so like Colin Begley Brendan Quigley Paddy Brophy Daniel Flynn Paul Cribben Kevin Dias Michael Quinn Brendan Murphy Chrissy McCaig Caelan Mooney they've all come back and continued playing inter-county and been good but then you have other examples like Tommy Walsh from Kerry Kyle Coney Sean Hurley Kildare Conor Meredith from Leash Niall McKeever Antrim Declan Mantley Dublin who have come home and haven't really been seen at inter-county level so like I mean see again I don't know what research is going to do because like I mean for example these fellas who didn't make it there's lots of minors that don't make it to senior anyway yeah. so like I mean there's no yeah. definite career path from minor to be definitely successful so like I mean would these lads have have made it at senior level even if they hadn't yeah. gone there but we still chances are they wouldn't we still definitely have the mentality that if they were out there that when they come back they're going to be an asset to their county teams immediately you know we're getting excited about um, isn't it Killian McDade from Galway Oh yeah, yeah. He, he's coming back. Oh, I have him earmarked as number that, seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it. it was the same for us with Keen Hanley last year. I yeah. mean, like, I, I'm not giving up on Keen Hanley yet at all. But like, I'd say that the 
the the hype that kind of greeted his return wasn't necessarily lived up to last year. Hopefully, he'll come he'll come good later on. But that's it. If that that that's more expectation and pressure to deal with. Well, not only have you the blow of confidence to actually not make it in Australia, then it's like, well, then as soon as you're back, well, when are you going to make the county team? Kind and of when thing? are you going to lift us and lead <laughs> yeah, us yeah. to the promised yeah. land? Yeah. Connor McKenna, I thought he was going to be in the Tyrone panel for the All Ireland final Kyle because Coney he was back home. Like, oh, he was Connor back McKenny. home for the yeah. winter, just and I was like, yeah. he's yeah. definitely going to be in the panel. He's, he's obviously good enough. I've never seen him play. I think he's back in next year. Oh yeah, he's definitely good <laughs> enough just because he's got this trial. Yeah. Kyle Coney's back on the Tyrone squad. Oh, okay, that's great. Yeah. And McKenna is as well. Yeah, two great players. Two great forwards, yeah. though, for these new rules. Like bigger size. Actually, I don't know if McKenna's big or not. I'm presuming he's big, but Kyle Coney's a big kind of fella. You know, he's skillful, but he'd be a decent size. Mark Bradley is going. He's teaching. I think he's a, training to be a teacher. He's going to England or something. So he's out for next year. Mm. So maybe he saw this offensive mark on the horizon. <laughs> yeah. like, here I'm out of here. Although to be honest, he would be well able to get an offensive mark. Well, sure. Now it's within the 45. 45 yeah. he would Definitely be, in the new room. Yeah. He'd be buzzing around the place. Um, yeah. So that's it. So like, I mean, it's interesting. I think the re- the research if we get a conclusion of you know how to treat these lads when they come back and how to look after them rather than why don't some of them not make it some of them won't make it just because that's the natural yeah. Yeah, that's like way, of, way of things um, I have this down Walsh Park or Nowhere lads because this is going to come to a head we've had Newbridge or Nowhere now we have Walsh Park or Nowhere so new Waterford manager Porrick Fanning he is saying that he's not entertaining their home games in the Munster League being shipped out um, I think I was reading during the week that it was it was decided that they absolutely won't be able to leave the province so it'll have to be within Munster but he's saying they're going to try and delay the redevelopment at Walsh Park until after next summer so that they can try and stage their home games against Limerick and, and uh, Limerick and Clare now I think Waterford learned a big lesson from Kildare that time because Waterford accepted this way too quickly yeah. you know like I mean they have an 8,000 capacity there's some issues with a wa- with a western boundary wall um, I think that's the, the the issue but if they can fix that just because there's 8,000 capacity, they're the same thing as Kildare. Yeah. Right, Waterford versus Tipperary could get 20,000. Waterford versus Clare could get maybe 18, 20,000. We don't care. Yeah. Waterford players are not training all year to get 20,000 a game. They're training all year to have the advantage mm-hmm. of Walsh Park's 8,000 with 7,500 Waterford, Waterford fans, fans crammed yeah. in there. And yeah. if that wasn't a lesson from Newbridge or nowhere, like Porrick Fannin is making the absolute right stand on this one yeah. and and shouldn't really have needed the Kildare thing to have taught to, although he wasn't the manager last year yeah training all year to get to a monster final and they do that they should be at home and that'll be their best chance of getting in there like you know this, yeah. is, this is what they're doing and it's great actually because at the time we thought that the sort of Kildare or the Newbridge or Nowhere thing would set a bit of a trend and we are like constantly seeing a bit more of an uprising and people being a bit more emboldened in the GA and fighting back and standing yeah. on the ground a little bit yes so it's Clare and Limerick they have at home on May the 12th and June the 2nd so that's it yeah and we have Donegal obviously putting it up to the GEA about the Super 8 game as well so like we are seeing a little bit more of this and this is not stuff it's a revolution that, <laughs> the revolu- this is not stuff that should even be up for debate this yeah. is just looking for what's fair like that's all the Newbridge or Nowhere um, thing was about uh, Seamus Hickey is retired lads he's only 31 Right, so like I mean, for some reason you think Seamus Hickey's a bit older than that. He's been mm. around since mm. 2006. He got Young Player of the Year in 2007. Um, he got an All Star in 2008 uh, or 2014. 
um, and he won a Munster in 2013 obviously he won the All-Ireland this year so there's only three players on the, the All-Ireland final match day 26 Hickey, Richie McCarthy and Tom Condon that are 30 or over so there's not going to be many more um, Limerick, peop- Limerick hurlers uh, retiring no. anytime soon <coughs> they're a really really young squad but he didn't see any game time so he was in and out this year I think he played the first game against uh, Tipperary and didn't really get it in the mix and then you're reading on and reading on and saying Jesus they finally made the breakthrough would you not stay on not stay on um, it's not like you're not getting any game time you saw some some lads are staying on panels a lot longer without getting on and then you see at the bottom 2018 has been a very busy uh, year for him away from hurling with his wife Ellen giving birth to two twin boys in March <laughs> good luck <laughs> That's see it. after forget about it Ellen has put her foot down <laughs> yeah. Seamus and listen yeah. get that GPS statement out I'm not doing this all on my own forget about it <laughs> he's been asking to see his game time <laughs> <laughs> show me your stats right? yeah. show me your stats I'll make, I'll make a call you're away four nights yeah. a week for this <laughs> come on yeah so she, maybe she listens to the podcast hey, what are you talking what's, what's, what's the point of it you're doing all this you have twins at home you're not even seeing game time honey. Uh, finally lads another another uh, one on the funnier end of scale is Dennis Bastic has been shortlisted for or has been chosen for Strictly Come Dancing that monstrosity of a show um, so Dancing with the Stars Ireland. Is it Dancing with yeah, the Stars yeah. Oh it's Dancing with the Stars Yeah Triple Nine Connor but oh, I'll tell you I'm a big fan But it's Strictly Come Dancing though, right? uh, I, don't, celebrity. I couldn't tell you If the formats are the same Celebrities dancing basically With yeah. a professional Yeah It's the exact same thing uh, Maybe I don't know <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to get yeah. into The intricacies N- of the Nicky Byrne is Bruce Forsyth That's the only difference <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right so Aidan O'Matney won it And we all know Aidan O'Matney can't dance Right Aidan O'Matney is a square Right And he'd have to admit that himself so if I have any advice for Dennis Bastic, right? Start off shit, get over the first week because Aidan O'Matney improved as the competition. See, I see. You have to try and get your Oshie, tactics. Oshie McConville tactic on Mastership. On the Mastership, oh, yeah. so he started off. He did steak, chips, and peas or something, <laughs> and he grew. Throughout. Yeah. Like, have you watched enough reality TV? You have now. There's obviously a very dangerous game in the first weekend because you're starting off shit Yeah. so you could go out the first week that's a gamble so it's a gamble yeah. it's a huge gamble yeah. Dennis just yeah. go off shit and we know Dennis can move we saw him in the all final doing the the, the flip the flip oh yeah yeah so yeah. he like, I mean that's enough for me to know this yeah. lad's got a few moves here no yeah. right. it's, not, it's not how good you are as you said it's how much you improve as the show goes on that's so yeah it. if you can gamble so at start that start terribly then maybe in week three pull out your flip right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dennis just give me a ring here and we'll, we'll talk tactics because this is very very serious let's just not go here and make up the numbers Dennis yeah. want to go here and win this whole thing out if you're really really shit though you can last for a while you won't win it but if you're like Marty Morrissey or Dennis Cahill yeah. you'll get the vote for the, the joke, crack the yeah. Jo- yeah, yeah the joke one yeah so you don't want to go down that road you but need uh, progression Aidan O'Mahony had his abs on display every single episode well, that's last true. year right? he so used, that, that won it for him he used sex appeal yeah <laughs> but I think he could do that as well He's yeah. got good abs. Oh yeah, we've seen him doing the yeah. pull-ups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We need to get this boy in. Yeah, like he'd be his agents or something. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, listen. If you want to win it, just listen. I've watched enough reality TV. I know how these <laughs> things work. Obviously, not enough strictly come dancing though. Right? <laughs> dancing with the stars. I mean, right? Yeah. Okay, we'll be back with Peter Kelly. I'd never be allowed to go off and eat a heap of shite like him, and you know, a slob or whatever. Like I was always doing a bit. I remember, all I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered on the way in there. I threw the ball up in there. I don't know. It was, it was pure luck, no appearance. Pure luck. Ah, but fucking bullshit. Have you seen yourselves?
Alright, so Two Mile House are in their first ever Leinster Intermediate Final. That's after winning their first ever Intermediate Kildare title this year and their captain Peter Kelly joins us on the line now. It's fair to say this is uncharted waters for the club. It is, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, five years ago we were still a junior club so to be in an Intermediate Leinster Final is if you said that to me five years ago I wouldn't have believed you so um, um, yeah we're really in bonus territory now so it's just, it's just great to be there and it's a great occasion for the whole the club and the community So where is the improvement come from Peter has it been a gradual thing like you said you're All-Ireland uh, junior champions but that was five years ago Like, have you, is it pretty much that same team or is there new uh, new faces in? Um, no, there'll be a lot of changes from five years ago. Um, I suppose back then you had a young crop of players with uh, Chris Healy and Mark Sherry and Adam Brock, the likes of those guys coming through. And now we have another two generations even since then again. So I just think it's testament to the work at underage level in the club over the last 10, 15 years. And these te- these teams keep on coming through and through. Like last year, a very good minor team. And again, this year again. So, um, like, I mean, next year we'll have another three or four of those minors come through again. So, um, look, at it really is just a testament to all the hard work that's been put in by all the underage coaches over the last few years. Yeah, because you, you don't have a big pick. Like, you're a small uh, you're a small enough parish, right? So you're surrounded by Newbridge, Nace um, and Kilcullen. Exactly, yeah. So, like, we're a small area, small population. But um, I think a lot of people in the area stick with football as well, which is fantastic. I mean, if you go up any of the, the underage training nights on a Friday night, you'll have way over 100 kids there like in the cool camps during the summer you'll have 170, 180 kids there so like the local primary school only has less than far less than 300 so you're getting those sort of percentages um, you know you're doing the right thing you know Yeah no exactly like I mean that's it's fair fair enough work I was reading an interview you did with the GEA.ie and you made the point that there's very little known about your opponents at junior um, or at intermediate level sorry so like you just go out kind of and focus on yourselves and I suppose that's the unless you can go looking for their county final and you won't get it off your opponents you'll have to ask their opponents and they might not give it to you it's hard enough to get information Exactly yeah no it is it's slightly different like it's completely different even maybe senior club level you'll have a lot more information on the other teams or you might know a lot more of their players but um, and then obviously in the county level you'll have everything kind of analysed down to a T but um, it, it's nice in one way that's I mean, like both teams are going to go out on Saturday you'll know a few bits about each other and a few players and that but um, there's no be no great tactical battles and it's kind of just two teams going head to head and um, it's really enjoyable you just kind of get back to basics and um, just get to play football you know Yeah so how do you go about getting any information like I mean would you know maybe even one or two of the Offaly inter-county lads from playing against them or is there any kind of connections there and say is that how you try to fish I would, for information I suppose you would yeah that, that, that's it like obviously met Nigel Dolan the other day at the launch as well and I, I know him from playing down through the years at Offaly and you'd know a few of the other guys playing for them with their under-20s and playing with their juniors over the years but um, other than that like there is no real way like unless you get your hands on video but um, as you said they're, they're um, scarce and hard to come upon so um, you kind of just have to focus on yourself a lot more and so it's not a bad thing either you know Yeah exactly so you, when you won the junior you came up to intermediate and in your intermediate for a few years you lost the final in 2016 and then this year you won the intermediate quite comfortably in Kildare so like I mean you're in a really good position to come up senior would it be right in saying 2016 might have been maybe a year too soon for you um, yeah possibly yeah I mean we probably didn't have 
since then we have another generation of young lads after coming through as well and we didn't have the strength and depth back then but um, look we were there thereabouts then and we got to got to a replay that day so um, we weren't far off and I think we would have been alright if we got seen at that stage but I think now the team we have now we're, we're far better equipped and um, I really see us like flourishing in senior as well I don't know if we'll be quite good enough to win it or get that close but um, we'll definitely um, hold our own that's for sure thing about Moorfield are the successful club but it's not like the, it's a complete domination by them like a tie have won it you know like I mean Sarsfield have won it different teams have been able to, to win it over the years so it's not an impossible task you know which it might look like in Leash for example Oh, exactly. Yeah, like as you said, and the two newer clubs obviously do. They've had great success over the last ten, fifteen years. But there has been other teams who come through every year, and like if you're even to come up against Morfield or Sarsfield, you like it wouldn't be overly fearful. You know, you you kind of fancy your chances in a way. But um, yeah, look at that. I suppose for for another day, but we'll focus yeah. on focus on the game on Saturday now for the moment. But yeah. um, no, it's just it's really it's fantastic to be to have that look to look forward to next year. It's really is um, it's great great achievement. So like I mean, so you would have play, played obviously junior club before 2013 you made your debut and won an all-star in 2010 in your first year um, under Kieran McGinney so like I mean did playing with a junior team it obviously didn't curtail you that year like I mean where would McGinney have seen you or you know in the, would he have gone down to junior matches to have looked at you like he obviously would have known about you before it Um I suppose I, I came through the underage structures in Kildare yeah. so um, I was probably lucky from that point of view Um it was just after finishing with under twenty ones and we actually got knocked out in the first round against Westmead. But um and it was just I suppose he was liaising with the under twenty one manager and I managed to get a call up. It was probably around April time and I didn't even play. I think he came on as a sub and won the league games that year and then didn't start the first Leinster championship match either. We um we lost badly to Loud that year. So um yeah. and there was kind of wholesale changes made so I was just lucky I kinda of, I got in and we got on a good run that year and so the rest is history, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it been been from like as well I suppose at underage level you were you were a junior at senior level but you you would have been um you know coming up you often think some of the players from the weaker clubs don't always get the break in the trial matches and don't even get called into to county panels. Um, I suppose it's hard. You kind of always hear that rhetoric in the GA, all right. But um, it's I've never experienced it myself. And like to my house now, we've three guys in the senior panel. And I mean, regardless of whether we're a junior or senior next year, I think the three the three of us in there probably would have got got there anyway. You know, right? Um, but in fairness to the current setup at the moment with Keane. Um, over the last three, four years, he's been very good to go to all the club games and um, all senior, intermediate, and junior. I know well they've been covered, you know. So I don't think I don't think there's anyone out there who hasn't who could have, like hasn't got a fair chance, you know. And if they are good enough, I think they will get get their chance as well. So in fairness, somebody does. He's no stone unturned in that in that regard. Right. Okay. So like I mean, obviously 2010, like you said, you got in after that first round game and you won an All Star. Um, you were beaten in the All-Ireland semi-final by Dan then you kind of had a few unlucky years with injuries like you weren't really able to kick on it was your knee you did your cruciate and then you get another knee operation again after that yeah yeah. Um, I suppose it was unlucky for a few years after my first year I did my knee yeah just I was actually with UCD in the Oberon Cup the following um, January I did it so I missed that entire 2011 season and then you're kind of trying to get back from the cruciate obviously it's a big big setback and regain fitness and confidence in your own body as well but um 
Yeah, and then a few years later, was I missed the All Ireland club, the junior semi final against Semi Vale, and I luckily I got on in the All Ireland final against Fiorty because um, I thought we were comfortable at the end of that game, so I got to run out with the club in Crow Park, which I was delighted to be able to do that. But um, and then over the years, yeah, a few few setbacks with hamstrings and things like that. But um, look at it; it's just kind of keeps you hungry as well and makes you really appreciate what you have when you are um, fit and able to go. So um, like last year, we got another like two years ago, it would have been more of a substitute role. But last year, then I got back into the first team. It really does just make you appreciate what you have when when you're in flying fit form. Well, that's the thing. And like I mean, was when you were a substitute two maybe two years ago? Like I mean, was that after the injuries and not getting your form back fully? or was that just maybe I don't know somebody else in better form or what do you put going back to the yeah, summer? It's probably it's probably a combination of all the things you said there to be honest with you so it's, when you have a, a good few serious injuries it kind of does curtail your, your fitness levels and your bit of pace and mobility and things like that but um, as you said as well like other guys come into form and that's that's the, the level you're at when you're playing intercounty football you know if there's someone in better form than you that's, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past or who they are what, it doesn't really matter you, they'll get their chance and um, look they don't hold any grudges over anything like that and if anyone's playing better than you deserve to be playing and that's it yeah exactly but like I mean from 2010 you were a, a proper man marking um, cornerback like you I mean you stuck to your man that was your job you're still a man marking <coughs> cornerback but you've you've really embraced this new dimension to cornerback play where you can kind of have licence to go up the field and go forward yeah well, I think it kind of probably shows the way the game has evolved as well you know but like in 2010 11 12 you kind of were told to mark your man and take him out of the game and I didn't want to see the corner forward and that was it you know but now like the full back line it's almost expected to come up and maybe get a score or two or get a couple of assists so I think it's just the way the game's transformed as well but um, yeah look at last year just kind of took it upon myself as well to kind of just give it everything I had and so they did get up the pitch a lot more than I had done previously but um, yeah no look it's a role I enjoy as well so um, you're not just focused on the man you're marking you kind of, he has to look after you as well which is great Yeah well that's the thing like I mean I've the mentality of a cornerback just coming out and marking a man I always struggle to wonder where the enjoyment in that was I've played cornerback myself but like I mean I, I hated it back there but now now it's almost like a wing back you have licence to do what you want Yeah really. no it, it is yeah, it's a, it's a different role alright yeah and I, I really can see where you're coming from with that like so the few years if, you, if you're just doing a man marking job it can get very tedious but look it's a challenge in itself as well and um, it's something that has to be done by certain certain players and other team of a danger man has to be done too but as you said yeah, it's, it's become a lot more enjoyable now over the last couple of years where we have more free roll to attack as well Come here you play midfield for your club um, so you, that's kind of obviously all action so you have no problem getting forward and you obviously enjoy that side of the game Oh definitely yeah Look, I love coming back playing for the club um, you have far more of a free roll as well you know you can get up the pitch and go back and defend at the same time so um, no I, re- I really enjoy playing midfield and training yeah, it's a great role What did uh, what happened against Courtwood so you were 11 points up at half time and you were carrying a bit of a, a bit of a knock was it your ankle and so you were taken off um, with the Leinster final in mind which looks absolutely like good management and then Courtwood scored <laughs> Courtwood scored two goals and then there's a bit of a panic stations for a while yeah, so <laughs> I was warm back up, ready to come back on. But um, <laughs> thankfully, then we got a we got a goal soon after that, so the, the gap widened again. But um, yeah, look at it; it wasn't it wasn't a great second half display by us at all, and it's definitely something that we'll take from that game that we need to work on coming into the Leinster final and hopefully beyond. But um, 
Yeah, look, I think it was just a little bit of complacency in the second half. I mean, 11 points up at half time. It's a rarity, really, um, these days. Um, but I think yeah, it was just a little bit of complacency and guys kind of took the, took the foot off the pedal for a few minutes, five, ten minutes. But um, I think when we got the scare, then I think we pushed on again. So thankfully we came out on the right side. Yeah, exactly. Camaro was reading during the week, Michael Fennelly has gone in with Kildare as performance coach. So you have huge changes within your backroom team. Um, you know, Tom Cribbins in there. You've got the coach from Galway. His name escapes me. Um, his name escapes me now. But, like, I mean, I'm just wondering, have you met Michael Fennelly? Because we were talking on the podcast on Monday about what a performance coach actually does. I'm just wondering, have you met with him or do you know exactly what his role is going to be? Uh, to be honest with you, no, I haven't. Because, um, like, Keane's kind of left the three of us on the, on the panel. He's kind of left us off to, with the club, you know, which is which is fair enough. Um, yeah. So I actually haven't been around any of the new new selectors or backroom team at all yet. So, um, look, I'm I'm excited to get in there. And when you hear the likes of McFenley um, getting involved, like, it's obviously very exciting. You know what it takes to win. And, like, anyone coming, in, coming on board with that sort of... Um, a history behind them like it's going to be a good thing for us really you know Yeah because you had they've had that blow of Daniel Flynn and Niall Kelly um, this week saying that they're not they're not um, committing and just from looking at Kildare yeah. from the outside it kind of looks like you make a step forward and then you kind of two steps back I don't know if that's a feeling um, you'd have like I mean you did so well in Keane's first year put it up to Dublin for yeah. a lot of the game then lose to Armagh then start back badly then improve you know and then these two yeah, fellas yeah. are li- like no, I would I, I, you couldn't blame the lads for going to have their life but it's just it, uh, it's disappointing for me as a leash man I can only imagine what it is for for you lads I know what you mean yeah I suppose we, we got on a bit of a run last year and it was exciting and I suppose the buzz in Kildare was back it hadn't been there for, for a few years beforehand since probably McGinney's era, era where there was a demand for tickets and everyone wanted a piece of the, the team you know and it was fantastic and I, I can I can see where you're coming from when you say like there's a step back but look at the guys obviously have their own reasons whether it be travelling or college or whatever it is but um, look I suppose every, every panel has to put up with these losses every year and take them and I think um, especially last year with under 20s how good of a run they got on and I think there's eight or nine of them guys in and on the panel now the preliminary panel so um, there's no reason why those guys can't push on and they've they've unbelievable experience now like to beat the dubs and beat Kerry and they don't fear anyone so um, that injection of youth kind of hopefully will make up for the loss of two guys obviously I'm not going to underestimate the loss of them they're two unbelievable footballers but um, look what you just have to take it on the chain and get on with it and hopefully, hopefully the younger lads can make the step up Yeah exactly a couple of things I want you to clear up for me before I let you go Aidan Casey your staff our corner forward where's number two why is that um, you may ask Niall Brown our manager <laughs> I'm sure he has some theory behind us now I don't know I'm, I'm, I was number I think 23 all through Kildare now I'm number 15 but um, I don't know he has a policy of squad numbers and you wear the same number for every match so um, I actually I never asked him what the theory is but right so this, um, so this is Aiden. K- this not is stopping Aiden from scoring anyway no he scored 210 the last day and he's wearing number two like it's just something wrong about that it's bizarre. It's bizarre, right? Yeah. But no, in fairness, to Aiden, he's a he's a big he's a player for the big game as well, and he stepped up in the final. I think he kicked ten points as well for us, and two ten the last day. So, um, in fairness, like he really does step up in a big day. In fairness, to him. 
Yeah, exactly. The other one is Didier Cordonnier. So we all kind of saw this um, happen. It was in in the first round of the Leinster, probably your trickiest game um, all year against Shandona. Shandona. Um, So he he got a yellow, said his name, Didier Cordonnier. The referee didn't believe him. Is that what happened? And he got another yellow and sent off. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Like, I was close by, all right. I think... I think he actually got the first yellow which shouldn't have been a yellow because he was kicking a spare ball off the pitch the referee thought he was kicking the ball he was going to kick out off the pitch so it was kind of first yellow was in the wrong as well Right. but um, and then yeah I think the referee just asked him what his name was and he said it and the referee told him to give him his, his proper name or his real name that's as far as I can gather now I, I, honestly like, I'd have to you'd have to ask the man himself but right. um, that's from what I gather what happened and so it was the actually didn't take, yeah. take kindly to it so I gave him a second yellow it was the second yellow was for dissent I think it was somebody was saying that he was asked to spell his name the ref- but like we were saying on the podcast here the referee has the team sheet in his pocket in his pocket like I mean he just needs to refer to that uh, it yeah it only takes two seconds to pull it out but I suppose uh, look sure everyone makes mistakes in the, in the heat of the moment as well and I think maybe he thought he was being rubbed up the wrong way or whatever but um yeah, look at these things happen and unfortunately for us we got through that just about we scraped through by a point. But um yeah, it could have been could have been a different story if we hadn't if we hadn't won that day. I don't know what would have happened to be honest. Exactly, because you finished that game with thirteen men and obviously this sending off yeah. was the talk of Twitter that night and uh Maureen Catterson <laughs> tweeted that the exact same thing happened to another um, two mile house player called James Bond a few years ago. Were you still playing that day, yeah, or was James this? Know him, yeah, you know him. No, he'd be a good bit older. Than me, I think he'd be maybe thirty seven now at this stage. So I would have never actually played with James. But um, no, he does exist. He does exist, and I think that did happen. So, yeah, that's a funny <laughs> one again. <laughs> Jesus, you couldn't make it up in two in the same club. I can understand the James Bond oh, one because yeah. we were talking earlier yeah, yeah. about like saying to a referee when you're under twelve, your name is Homer Simpson or something, just to just to wind him up yeah exactly yeah making it up yeah no but no he was uh, yeah that's his Christian name anyway so I'm sure he's had lots of hassle over the years yeah exactly right well listen thanks for clearing that up Peter and come here ta- or best of luck um, the game is on Saturday um, best of luck in the match cheers, cheers. thanks a million Con. appreciate it Let's chill the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. But I tell you, give us a year, a year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. But I tell you, give us a year, a year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. Okay, lads, so Paddy Power predictions, and jeez, we're doing well to predict some of these games. (laughs) So, uh, starting off, we have the club, because let's be honest, that's the most important thing this weekend. So, in the Leinster Intermediate Football Championship final, Shamrocks from Offaly play Two Mile House. We just talked to Peter Kelly. Um, Shamrocks are outsiders, 7 to 5, Two Mile House, 8 to 11. Um, favourites in this one so like I mean I'll be giving my nod to Two Mile House um, there to beat Courtwood obviously in the semi-final beat them well 
and Courtwood are the intermediate team to beat us in the semi-final of the Leeds Championship so they're, oh, t- well. they're a tasty side they're a, good, they're a good young team so to hammer them that's odd. I don't yeah, need to yeah. see any more. I don't need to see Two any more. Two for me. <laughs> Cordonier's flying for them as well. <laughs> right, then we have uh, Leinster Junior Championship Final. This is Dundalk, Young Ireland um, from Loud Place, St. Bridget's of Offaly. There must be a St. Bridget's club in every every single county in the whole country. Would there be? Oh yeah, definitely. I'd say there absolutely is. Yeah. I don't actually the think there's one in Mayo, but yeah, in really? most counties, but there must I think, be. Yeah. It must be the most popular. Oh, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah maybe Oliver Plunkett's or Robert Emmett's or something like that. Yeah, it's popular, but I can't think. I can't. Shamrocks. Shamrocks. Air, is there Aerogs? Is there a few Aerogs mm. as well? Uh, maybe not. Aerogs would be a big one too. Yeah, yeah. Geez, there's a great little uh, quiz now. <laughs> 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 right, so <laughs> talking yeah. absolute nonsense yeah. here. Um, Dundalk Young Ireland's are ten to eleven. St Bridges eleven to ten. This is anyone's game, lads. Um, I'm going to go with the Offaly champion St Bridges. Go on, the Bridges. Mm, no, you're um, young Ireland's got it. They got the home it, advantage. You're going with. Your, I'd say there's not too many young Irelands in the <laughs> yeah. in the country. There is one in Australia, I think, or in Chicago, Sydney, I think. Sydney in, yeah. that, in Sydney, that was it. Brian McGuigan yeah. played it with them when I was there. Um, then on Sunday you have the All Ireland Junior Championship quarter final. You have the Red Hughes of Donegal versus the Dunedin. I do know about this Britain. game. Do I do you? Know about Come this on, game. My, an, my annual shout out to Dunedin Connolly's Yeah, in you did this last year. Too, <laughs> didn't you? I think I did the year before too. <laughs> you let us down uh, last year, didn't yeah, you? Well, they lost to uh, they lost to the Father Rocks, is it from Cookstown and Toronto? Right, they lost yeah. to them last year. So yeah, a good mate of mine. Two fellas. There's a very strong Mayo contingent, including a good mate of mine, and they won it. They all Britain for the third year in a row there recently. Three and actually, well they beat Neasden Gales with Neasden Gales had a penalty that would have leveled it with the last kick of the game, and the keeper saved it. So what a way to win it! Right. So, okay. Yeah. They've been Getting, they've been getting very they've been getting closer and closer I think they were beaten narrowly by uh, Father Rocks last year so, so where, are they, where are they Dunedin Where's Edinburgh the, oh it's in Edinburgh yeah. right okay very good okay so fair play to them three in a row then on so Sunday I'm going for them you're going for them we'll all go for them yeah no, we'll I'm going go. for Erua which is supposed to be Red Hughes it's anglicised version of it but they don't like that it's Erua South Donegal very good. Yeah, like their Irish down there. We All know right. more about this game than we do. <laughs> yeah, that's we should have done a full. You didn't even give me this information before <laughs> the show. So then, obviously, we have the Leinster final: Kilmacud Croaks versus Mulna Mulna Hakta, and this is in O'Connor Park at half one. So it's uh, live coverage of this one. So Kilmacud are two to nine favourites, according to Paddy Power. Mulna Hakta are four to one. And James McGivney, our buddy, who absolutely did nothing to get sent off or get uh, Brian Darby <laughs> sent off, as we saw in that, or as I saw in that video, he's talking about obviously, and it's the, kind of the same narrative about Mullinahock that we all kind of know now. It's a half parish. Uh, James says there's only a church, a community centre, a school with 44 students, and a football field. And only for football field, I'd say the majority of t- our team would have emigrated by now. It's the heartbeat of the club and the only thing keeping the community together. Mm-hmm. So, like he went to Australia for a year and cut it short um, to come home and play and they ended up losing the county final I think the year that he did that so like I mean it's all and it just like when I read this stuff I just start kind of daydreaming about being from a small area like that and I think of Guidor and I think about the GA just being like literally life yeah. in yeah. these t- small places and the, like in Guidor the Irish language and just the culture of it and just thinking how much more maybe it means to them I don't know like it shouldn't really mean more but I suppose if it's all that's in the town like it's your yeah. life like I mean imagine maybe this why Guido are going book mad all this week and they're still going I don't know 
Yeah, but and like when it is a small, I think when it is a small town, the whole place stops when you've got a game. Everyone's yeah. talking mm. about it. It's more likely. Well, you will run into somebody who's involved in the club because they probably all are involved. Yeah, ah, it is. It's because the thing about this, I've never experienced this because Portlaoise is such a big town. There's one club in the town, so after big matches back when I was playing, we'd go back up to the the clubhouse after Moore Park, and there'd be all the commu- GA community in there. Now the clubhouse will be full. But you could go down to the majority of the pubs down the town and people are going uh, by their normal Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they don't give a shit. Yeah. You might actually be annoying them coming in because you might be a bit loud and boisterous. Yeah. So you never... you Like, I mean, I'm sure that Guido like, could go into any pub in Guido. And yeah! <laughs> you <think> going, yeah. <laughs> oh, for months, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Jesus, just a little bit of jealousy. I don't, I don't want to be a bogger, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you, do, you did win something. Like, how many county titles at the same time? So, I have six know, county do, titles, yeah. But, like, I mean... Th- and that's fair enough. And they do me, I don't want to mean say that don't mean a lot because they obviously mean the same to your I, mean, I suppose it's to the community yeah yeah. 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 But it's always sobering they find out how little people outside of your little world care or give a shit about what you're doing I remember yeah. we were going to an intermediate final one time and this was the biggest thing that ever happened in our lives like and then you're driving up in the bus and there's these little scumbags just throwing stones at the bus you know and they're going on about their day like and for you this is all that matters for the last year and yeah. you realise actually this isn't that important in the grand scheme of things yeah no well that's it and you know, that kind of gets rammed home to you when you're on the beer the next day on a Monday for example and you walk outside a pub and there's people just walking home from work yeah, yeah 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 for you for some reason in your head the whole world has <laughs> yeah, stopped yeah. this day like you know everything's yeah. been shut down yeah. but it absolutely hasn't it just has in your stupid little group in there uh, um, right, so pre-season competitions. So on sun- on Saturday, um, the Burn Cup, Loud versus Wexford. Now there's no prices from Paddy Power on this because who the hell with the with a combination <laughs> of the new rules and a combination of not having a clue what teams are being put out. There's just no way. Uh, maybe they'll have them up uh, later on in the year. But interestingly, Leash play Mead in a Moor Park, so immediately that jumped out at me. So I'm going to go to that game. Um, Conan and Connor Need review are in here on Monday, so I'm going to have to get a special guest to sit in with me on Monday and I'll give you a full lowdown on Monday about the new rules, new rules and how they worked in this Leash versus Mead game and you know I'll try and give an, on, an honest assessment I'll, I'll absolutely <laughs> lynch the, the offensive mark straight away <laughs> <laughs> right so they're on Longford play Wicklow then so, Sunday in the Burn Cup Carlo play Westmead that's in Dr Cullen Park anyone in around that area if the provincial club final wasn't on the same time, I would be interested in going over to see how um, a, you know a pretty defensive team like Carlo are going to adapt in their very first competitive game in this. And in the Welsh Cup, off World Cup, Offaly play Leash in Bar at two pm. That's Eddie Brennan's very first game as Leash manager. So that's everything that's going on the weekend. And like I said, I'll be back on Monday with a another, and we'll run through the whole thing. So we'll talk to you then. Good luck. When I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.